It is Tuesday, November 3rd, 2020, Election Day. How do you feel about the election, Steve? Well, <laughs> I feel a lot of things. Uh, um, it's, it's kind of a, a race between uh, the lesser of two evils, maybe. <laughs> yeah. By the way, yeah, Steve Fife is my guest. Uh, Steve and I know each other. We go way back to, what, 1997 is when I first met you, wasn't it? By the way, this is the LDS Live podcast. I'm Kevin Williams, and uh, Steve and I go back a long ways. I th- I first met you, what, December of 97. You came to our house in Idaho when I was there. Really? Yeah, you were on a trip. You and your folks were on a, you and your family were on a trip to Washington. I'm not sure where in Washington, but you were out to see extended family, I believe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you came to see us and your brother keeps bringing up the fact that your youngest brother keep, kept bringing up the fact that he saw Memphis Bell and how that stood out to him, Memphis Bell because he wasn't allowed to watch movies like that at home. Understandably so. He was just a kid at the time. your whole family was there you slept in our basement and then obviously we had great conversations in cedar city how have you been doing really well i'm good uh, what oh go ahead what did you think of uh, i want to bring you on here because i thought we would talk about the president oaks's byu devotional and you have a lot of insight about slavery and so that's why i wanted to bring you on you know more than me about this subject what did you think of president oaks's talk um, I thought he, yeah, I thought, I thought he talked about, I, he talked directly to, to matters that, that are really politically charged right now, mm-hmm. which I think is, is refreshing to hear him talk about those. And, and yet he, I think he, I think he established a stance without, Without going too far out outside of, you know, his his um, the the church's neutrality with one party or the other, it just it it seems like he struck a, a higher chord, if you will, than than um, getting into specifics of, of uh, one side or the other. I have to hand it to President Oaks because I have complained a lot about certain people being too general and he in my mind he got really specific about black lives matter about tearing down statues and racism which we'll get into so i have to hand it to him because i've uh, i'll admit i have complained a few times oh how come elder so-and-so or president so-and-so is not being specific enough in my mind uh, he got really specific uh, what do you think? I know you said that he got general and struck, uh, took higher ground, but to me, he got pretty specific. Um, yeah, I mean, he he talked about George Washington. He didn't talk necessarily about uh, anybody too controversial uh, with statues. I I think his his contention. The the thing that came to my mind. There's a there's an old, uh, maybe not too old. It's a oh sorry about that. It, it's a it's a an analogy that um, or metaphor that uh, J.R. Tolkien used, and he he compared. Uh, there was this old man that built its tower, and um, 
in his field and he used these old rocks from, from an ancient site to build this tower, builds it up and then his ancestors, uh, you know, after he's gone, his ancestors come by, or actually I think he's still around when they come and they tear the thing down and, you know, the people that knew him, that were closest to him just thought he was an odd fellow and there was just no rhyme or reason to this tower. And anyway, the, the, the historians that come, they look at it and they say, oh, this is from a much older site. So they, they pick the rocks apart and they start to, you know, carbon date or whatever they're doing with individual rocks. And they're looking at the inscriptions. And then some other people come and they dig down further under the tower and they, they're like, oh, there's coal here. And they, you know, the tower itself is, is kind of um, looked over. And little do any of them know that from the top of the tower, the man could see the sea. And uh, they were all so caught up in the details that they, they missed that completely. And I, I, think, I think what President Oaks is doing is something similar to that man. You can see a lot further um, and maybe, maybe metaphorically even into heaven or you know, off into that distant land of, uh, you know, enchantment uh, from, from the shoulders of those who have come before you rather than, you know, cutting them off at the knees and then stepping on their, their, um, <laughs> their dead bodies and, and trying to find out what minerals made up their liver or something, right? <laughs> yeah, so, it uh, kind of reminds me of the quote that he quoted from Winston Churchill, if we open a quarrel between the past and the present, we shall find we have lost the future. So I think that's kind of what you're saying is this tower that they tried to tear down. Maybe this guy was awkward. I hadn't read the, I guess this was in a book or something by J.R. Tolkien or some. Yeah, kind it's of... a preface to Beowulf. You know, Beowulf's this, this epic poem that a lot of people read and they're like, oh, well, well, obviously he's talking about this, which isn't really a historical thing. And, or other people come through and they're like, oh, this is the only historical access we have to, you know, this or that um, ancient um, king or whatever. And, and uh, Tolkien is advocating, look, quit trying to tear down Beowulf. Just enjoy it as a story that, that, is, that is its own thing, that's, that has beauty it within it and and it doesn't need to be analyzed and cut into a million different parts to enjoy it you can you can enjoy it, it is a whole and um, anyway i don't know if you read the book of mormon on sunday i did uh i believe it was a moroni or a, no mormon chapter eight where he talks about those who i can't remember exactly basically saying do not condemn our imperfections basically you mm. can nitpick and this goes back to President Oaks's talk. I'll get there. You can nitpick at our imperfections, basically saying you can do better than us is what I got out of it. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Um, um, he's, uh, doesn't he say if there be faults, they be of men, not of yeah. God? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it kind of reminded me of when he talked about, President Oaks talked about tearing statues, and I read that in Mormon chapter 8. It reminded me of that quote. A lot of people want to tear down Brigham Young's statue, which I don't think is going to happen now that President Oaks gave this talk. Do you? 
tear down Brigham Young's statue? Yeah, there's talk about tearing down Brigham Young's statue at BYU or changing the name of Brigham Young University to something else like David O. McKay or President Kimball or something like that. <laughs> yeah. I don't well, think that's going to happen now that yeah. President Oaks talked about this and condemned the idea. There was, you know, there was that interview that that um, Gordon B. Hinckley did with Larry King, and they mm -hmm. they brought up they brought up uh, blacks in the priesthood, and do you remember his response that he gave? Basically, uh, that was back then, and this is now is what I remember. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, the the some of the the words, the exact words escape me, but it was something like. That was how the doctrine was interpreted by the leaders of the church at the time. Mm -hmm. And, and look, I mean, we do the best we can in the circumstances that we, that we have. It's kind of like, you know, uh, communist, communist Russia was a horrible place that killed millions and millions and millions of people. Right. Absolutely. But but, um, you know, during the Cold War, uh, Thomas S. Monson says, he, you know, he quotes the article of faith that says that we believe in, you know, honoring, sustaining and uh, upholding and sustaining the law. And he was talking in, on the other side of the Iron Curtain. So, you know, uh, we believe that now, you know, I, I went to church in uh, communist China a few, two years ago. And that's, that's what they started the meeting with. They said, we uphold the law. We're in China and, you know, these are the, these are the parameters with which we have to worship him. And so, you know, if the parameters you have to worship in are communism, it's not a great option, but it's the best you can do. And if the parameters are amidst uh, a nation fraught with slavery it's the best you can do at the time so i you know you do with what you have the best you can and then and then you just kind of let the chips fall but for us to just go back and condemn them it's it's silly i mean did they have glorious visions did they have manifestations of god and and was was there you know were they favored of the lord yeah i think so did they have social problems and were they politically, you know, all divided and did they have all kinds of, um, you know, turmoil, you know, there, there's that too. So I don't know. I, I think the Lord is pretty merciful to us, you know, in all of our imperfections. Yeah. I want to go back to something. There's speculation and we'll get into president Oaks's talk here. Uh, but I, I think this is important. There is speculation, I guess, apparently, uh, Brigham Young owned slaves. Now, I haven't been able to verify this, but I have heard such a thing. And let's get into the idea of racism. Racism involves the idea that one's race is superior to others and the right to overrule them. And so when Joseph Smith spoke out against slavery, if Brigham Young did, in fact, own slaves or use slaves, I don't doubt that he used them. They will use that against him. And they'll say, oh, yeah, well, you're going, they're going against Joseph Smith's time. Uh, what would you, or Joseph Smith's idea, because uh, Joseph Smith did condemn the idea of owning someone else. What would you say to that? 
because it kind of goes right to the line of we shouldn't be tearing down statues and probably goes right back to what you just said. Yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> the, this morning I was taking my son to work and, and uh, I forgot to wear my glasses. Or not, I wasn't taking him to work. I was taking him to driver's ed and I forgot my glasses and my eyesight, you know, I need my glasses to drive. And I got in the driver's seat and I was driving and I said, well, son, can you drive? And uh, he made fun, fun of me where I stopped. I stopped a little after the stop sign. He's like, oh, dad, you totally would have run that stop sign, uh, which is, is true, right? But I was just teasing it back. And I said, well, other men's failures could never save you. And he's like, oh, that's a funny thing to say. And I said, well, it's, it's in the, the hymn, do it is right. <laughs> yeah. But, but I think that's it. I mean, we can, we can, we can point our finger at, you know, the, the mistakes of other people. That's not going to save us. Um, you know, and hopefully, hopefully um, the things that we accept in our day, which, which are cruel and unusual, um, where, you know, those, those things that we inadvertently do because of our own, of our own time, uh, those won't be to our condemnation. You know what I mean? So, yeah. I don't know. I mean, none, none of us is without sin. I mean, if you are cast the first stone, so yep. I, look, if Graham did that, you know, it's, I don't think it's right. I, you know, I, I, um, but I'm, but I'm not, I'm not in a position where I can start casting that stone. Again. Yeah. I want to talk about something else. Did you get my email last night? Oh, yeah, about the masks? Yes. What did you think of that? Because I think that these masks are very controlling. I think that these masks have demonstrated a lot of fear, and I, I blame the media. And yet President Oaks is saying, oh, if you wear a mask, you're protecting not only yourself but others. I'm not convinced of that. Uh, what did you think of that whole thing when he bought up COVID-19? I do want to talk more about this. Um, so... This morning, I mean, this is a little dramatic, but this morning, my, um, my wife's grandfather is going to be taken off a ventilator and he, and, um, he's, you know, he'll die within uh, minutes, they tell us. And he, you know, he's, he's got COVID-19. By the way, real quick, before you go any further, I do not delight in the fact that people have COVID-19. My nephew has it. I do not delight in this. I just don't yeah. like all the fear-mongering, the politics. Carry on. Yeah. Well, in fact, I even called my nephew to make sure he's okay. Good. Uh, you know, and I, um, uh, my wife and I have gone back and forth a lot on this, of how political the masks and, and um, you know, is is what's being told to us true or not and and you know her her grandfather's passing today because of it yeah uh, he a few and let's be fair he is at an age where he is vulnerable let's be fair yeah he's 80 years old yeah that so, yeah that let's be fair here carry on i just wanted to get that out there yeah, yeah so a few weeks ago he he was called to minister to a sister and he, and her husband i guess Maybe I don't know what the husband, but for sure this sister, she had COVID, 
And he decided to go over there without a mask. And he ministered to her and he... Bad you know, boy. He, I'm just what? kidding. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he contracted, he contracted um, COVID-19 and, and um, it will take his life today. So that's probably something he could have at least, uh, you know, minimized the, the risk of, of a, contracting that if he'd, if he'd worn a mask. And he might, you know, he might be able to stay with us. Um, there's a scene as, as I'm kind of wrestling this with myself, I, I thought of a scene from a book called Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court. The king and the, and the, the Yankee, they're going around the countryside. Um, I don't remember exactly why they're, why they have to go um, in secret. It seems like somebody took over the kingdom or something and Anyway, I don't remember. Maybe the king just wanted to see what the kingdom was really like. So he's in disguise, and they go into a house that's um, that's under you know uh, quarantine, and there's a woman in the attic with with smallpox, and the you know the, the Yankee, the modern man, you know, will not go upstairs, but the king uh, obeys. The duty to be chivalrous goes upstairs and uh, brings her down. Um, did you get the part about my my wife's grandfather being um, having COVID and he ministered to someone yes. without? Yeah, yeah. So, so that's kind of what this king does. And the Yankee asks, "Why did you do that?" I said, "You know, it it was the right thing to do. It's uh, the right thing to do." And, so. Uh, did this person have smallpox? Yes, they did. Okay. And the king was, you know, certainly going to contract it himself, but I don't think he ended up getting smallpox. Um, but, but this, you know, no matter what the Yankee could do to turn that whole society into just a, a, a rambling bunch, bunch of bumpkins who were, were idiots. There, that one scene stands out as they may have been they may have been technologically backwards and you know which which actually is not the worst thing in the world at the end this Yankee uh, this is what what is this 40 years before the World War one he he basically predicts World War one um, there's just uh, the, the final scene is he has machine guns and other um, artillery and whatever, and they just mow down um, hundreds of, of basically defenseless soldiers in their, in their um, armor. And uh, that's what, that's what modern, that's what modern, anyway, it's a parody on, on our modern technology and being so much more advanced than ancient civilizations. I, it's it's funny that we try to nitpick them. It, it's not helping us. There's they have so much more to offer, and something like chivalry seems like such a such an idiotic thing to us maybe today. But there is something about it. There's something about going, uh, being, doing what we feel like is the right thing to do. So, yeah, with the mask thing, good. I mean, I I think we, you know, I I, I wish that more people would wear them um, in a lot of circumstances. I choose to wear one 
um, almost all the time I go out in public. I didn't, um, you know, this last weekend I was at a, I was at a gathering, but I, I think I was pretty well socially distanced. Um, I was actually playing my violin um, at this gathering, but you know, I, I don't know. I, I feel like that was probably the, the right thing to do and, and maybe I'll get COVID because of it, but I don't know. I, I appreciate that, that I don't know anybody that's been arrested. Do you know anybody that's been arrested for wearing, not wearing a mask? No, I do not. Uh, I no, I can't say that I do. Yeah. I guess the sheriff down here in Iron County actually is, yeah, I, mean, I don't know if it's lore or if it's true, but I guess supposedly told the governor that people in Cedar City and Iron County will not be will not be um, required to wear masks. Yeah, that uh, is true. I heard that on the Kate Daly show, which I'm sure okay. you've heard of. So yeah, uh, I I think that's I think that's amazing. You know, a sheriff. I don't think a police officer would do that. I think a sheriff is more likely to do that. They're somebody that's elected by the people. And I think, I think um, as an elected um, officer of the law, you're going to make some, you're going to make some choices like that, that represent the people who uh, are your constituency. And, and um, I think a lot of people really admired him for that. And I'm, I'm sure other people thought he was being a bozo. So um they won't vote for him in the upcoming election. Maybe it was political suicide. And he might he might have to pay for it at the, at the booth. But um, we'll see. You know, I, 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 it's a beautiful thing when local government stands up to big government. I, I think there needs to be more of it. I, I, when we just lay down and do whatever the big government tells us, I think there's a problem with that. And, and that's not to say you should just rebel against all government. I think... I think strong local government requires even more responsibility, not less responsibility with government. So I'm not saying, I'm not saying just, you know, throw caution to the wind by any stretch, but uh, yeah, it's, there's a lot, a lot to what we have here. There's not, I think, I think it's silly that we get such massive turnouts on a national election day. And meanwhile, our local elections we, you know, we go, we go head over heels and we have 25% of the populace show up, which means only 13% are deciding or are a decisive majority. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. But that's, that's the story of local politics. And um, I, I think we've got, we've got more problems on our hands than maybe we realize. And uh, meanwhile, we're being, we're being, I think, I think, we're, we're worrying about the masks way more than the more the weightier matters uh, at hand. Well, I think that's what I, I don't mean to. I know President Oaks is uh, called by the Lord and all, but I guess that really got under my skin when he talked about the masks, because I read a lot of information. As you know, I read a lot of news and the masks have gotten so political. I wish he would have talked about how the masks are a divisive issue instead of praising the masks, unless maybe he was trying to avoid a lawsuit, the church getting a lawsuit or something like that. Because in the study, I don't know if you read it, but in the study, it actually showed the CDC 
70% of a case group wore masks at gatherings and they were gatherings of 10 people or less and they were social distanced at restaurants and bars, salons, what have you. And 74% of the control group wore masks and they still caught COVID. And even the CDC admitted it was hard to know if they caught COVID the very day that the symptoms came up. And so I would have liked President Oaks to have talked about how diseases have been, can get so political, so politicized in this pandemic. And I don't know where he could have gone with the mask, but it just uh, got under my skin a little bit when he started encouraging everybody to wear these masks because I'm not sure that they're working, quite frankly. Yeah, well, I mean, you have to Should, take now. I will say this: for the record, I do not delight in people mm -hmm. having COVID. In fact, you should know the audience and Stephen. You should know that when I was in Idaho on vacation, I did go to someone's house and socially distanced myself from somebody because he is elderly. I think he's seventy-five, seventy-six, somewhere around there, and he does have respiratory problems. So I thought, and still do, think that socially distancing myself from him was the responsible thing to do, because I'm fully aware that he would be vulnerable. I'm not saying let's be careless. I'm just saying let's stop all the fear-mongering. Anyway, what's your take on everything I'd said? Yeah, I, I mean, it's, we're, with the mask, we're gonna see. We're gonna see that push, and 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 that's gonna be. I mean, it's I, at the school that I just worked at. We we had a dress code, <laughs> and there were some people that pushed the dress code one way or the other so hard, and it prevented it not not completely prevented, but it it got in the way of education. And for one, for for one way or the other, and oh yeah, you know if you're if you're just harping on a kid's what a kid's wearing, um, they're just going to be closed off to everything you're saying. So I, you know, I I don't think it's that big a deal. Just wear a mask if you know if a store is expecting you to wear a mask before you go in, just put the mask on. Uh, just like the dress code, it's like okay, we have a dress code. Use it. Don't worry about it. And, and I realize not everybody sees it that way. Um, there's there's a lot there's a lot to things, but but I I don't know. I I have I I really think there's there are things that are so much more important, and we're straining straining at a gnat and swallowing a camel because the, the mask thing. Um, yeah. So here's, here's another thing with my wife's grandfather. Um, his son went to the hospital and asked, um, I, I wouldn't even have thought to ask this question, but he's, you know, he's in St. George and you'd think there'd be a lot of people with COVID in St. George and everything would be almost maxed out if you were reading the government reports. And so this, you know, uh, my wife's uncle asked if they were almost maxed out on beds. 
and on ventilators because he's on a ventilator. And the doctor's like, oh no, not at all. We have, we only have three people on ventilators and we have 60 more, you know, um, res, you know, in the, in the reserve. And that's not what the government is communicating. You know, it was the same day that we get this, this um, text, the alert that says, you know, all of these counties are max, are almost maxed out in their hospital, um, of, you know, availability. And I just don't think, I don't think that was true. And, and I don't, I, I think government, you know, is very prone to hyperbole so that they can try to force people to do one thing or another. And I, I don't know, I'm encouraged by, by people with uh, the, the gumption to stand up to those things and get elected and then that's that's one really neat thing about America. You can get elected, and you can say, "Look, we we have a problem here, and let's let's um, let's work to fix it." So, yeah, I think some people will be on the chopping block for for some of the things that they've um, done with this, and it's revealed their character. They think government is here to to control people and you know get people to do what they want rather than to protect people's rights so that they can do what they what they believe they need to do so i don't know there's there's a lot here and and i don't think everything the government is telling us is is completely true but on the oh, other, i agree with that on the other hand I, I i don't know i mean if if a mask does help i i don't have a problem with putting one on either yeah oh yeah uh yeah i just know there's even debate in the medical community whether these masks are actually working or not by the way i don't want to get this whole thing on mass but i just uh i just see so much control you know there's in oregon there are snitches being hired and i know this for a fact because i know people in oregon there are snitches being hired that will report you if you're not wearing a mask now i don't know of anyone in oregon who's not wearing one I don't know of anyone, I'm sure there are people that aren't and haven't been arrested or whatever, but I guess that's why this really pushed a button of mine because there's so much more to the masks than just wearing it. It's about the control thing and uh, the memorandum of understanding, which we haven't even gotten to yet, but I don't want to go completely off topic about masks. I just wanted your take on it. Because President Oaks did bring it up and says, you know, said that you're helping people. And I read this study and I see how the government is using these masks to control people. And not necessarily the federal government as much as state governments, but they're getting a lot of money to do these mandates. They're getting a lot of money and they had to sign a memorandum of understanding as well. Uh, you, you can read all of this online. It's all just Google it. Uh, but what else did you like about President Oaks's talk? Because I thought that he had a lot of wisdom there about racism and uh, slavery and things like that. Uh, yeah, and it's amazing that a, that an issue that an issue that seems yeah, uh, so untouchable <laughs> on so many levels is cleared yeah, up yep. with the most fundamental doctrine that God's our Father yep. and that we're His children. Like that, yeah. that seems so simple, but who else is saying that? Who else is coming into, and, and it's not just leaders of the church. They're talking with the NAACP. 
<laughs> yeah. That's amazing yeah. that mm-hmm. that they're, you know, they're they're coming together with um with a group that actually historically the church and the NAACP have had some real some real issues. I think uh the NAACP sued them um a few years ago with uh there was some I it, um, it was something on the Mormon trail. I, I forget, but, but um, that's, that is amazing that they, yeah, they've been very much by this organization uh, that, that had it out for them. Um, and I know that they, the church, the church has made significant contributions to them. Um, and that, that's pretty neat. Um, yeah. It, yeah. Probably the thing that stood out most to me is that he, um, he called Black Lives Matter um, a really, uh, a really um, great thing, and that we believe that Black Lives Matter. Oh yeah, he said, uh, of course, Black Lives Matter. I would have liked to have heard him say, all lives matter, because Black Lives Matter just seems so divisive. And I understand the argument. Oh yeah, Black people have been treated like dirt for centuries, and I understand, and rightfully so. President Oaks did say. We do not have a happy racism in this country over the last two centuries. He's right. Uh, but it, the whole thing, and it's gotten so politicized, I would have liked to have said him say, all lives matter. But again, he probably was trying to drive a point across, yes, black lives matter, and any life matters. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that, I, I don't know. I don't think he could have said that without... Um, without um that's a polarizing thing for for him to say he's he's going to he's he's taking a stance of neutrality and that would have been to choose sides and to i think that would have neutralized his first statement that black lives matter um which i get why people say both of those things yeah Um, he he took it so there's a lot of times the way to get really smart poli- people to believe a lie is to connect it to an obvious truth. <laughs> yeah. I read an article several years ago about um, women, um, women's rights that said that, yeah, I mean, it took us all of 15 seconds to believe that women were just as capable as men. The lie is that, that um, satisfaction is to be found in your career. Long-term, meaningful lives are not i mean that's the career is not the place for it so women who abandoned whatever they were doing with the home and the community and even men who do the same thing right you, you yep. have a you yeah. have a, a man who's just like uh, citizen kane is is probably you know that's your iconic the man that sacrifices everything for career and then at the end he has nothing you know this billionaire that that um there's there's nothing there so that's that's what um that's the lie that that we have and i think president oaks um is saying black lives matter yes it took us all of three seconds to believe that black lives matter we all believe it but we don't believe the other baggage that's being touted along with that truth and and it's it is just a lie, and I think he's he's calling out the lie, and and we can we can say that there's parts of Black Lives Matter that's a lie, 
and that it's being used as a uh, you know as a front to some some things that are that are very detrimental and yeah, for those of you that didn't hear the speech, what uh, Steve is talking about is, uh, yes, Black Lives Matter. Yes, we believe that, but he's also talking about President Oaks, talking about how things have been put under the banner of Black Lives Matter, like doing away with the Constitution, like defunding the police, those things, uh, for those of you that didn't hear the speech. Yeah. Yeah. So... I, I thought that was really interesting um, that that it's not, you know, I, I think Dabo Sweeney, I read something that he that he said, he's like, yeah, of course, Black Lives Matter. I have no problem saying that. But politically, there's some baggage here. And yes, I think really intelligent people recognize that accepting accepting some political um, mantra after after you know hearing it you're like oh that's great everything about it must be great i don't i think that's shallow i i, I actually don't think as many people are duped by that especially you know i don't think intelligent people are really duped by that i think a lot of the people that are that are pushing all aspects of this or have bought into all aspects or reject all aspects of black lives matter for that matter yeah i i just don't I, I think that's, you know, Elder Oaks is not doing that. He's, he's, seeing, he's seeing it from more perspectives than just one perspective. And I think it's, uh, it's helpful. It's helpful for us to, to try to get a clearer view of something rather than just accepting, accepting it because it rang true to us or rejecting it because, you know, the first time we heard it or somebody we somebody we thought was respectable is rejecting it too so yeah i just it's good we need we need to have this we need to have this kind of perspective rather than just going all in one way or the other there yeah here's something that i want to bring up real quick and i know you've got to get going but i want to bring up this whole idea of tearing down statues what we ought to do, in my opinion, and I think you would agree with me, what we ought to do, for example, there's a group that wants to change the name of Brigham Young University. There's even a group that wants to rename the Reed Smoot Building because Reed Smoot supposedly had slaves. Um, now, based on what Pres the President Oaks' talk said, and I'm actually glad he said what he did about tearing down statues and whatnot, we would erase our history. And that's exactly what happened in Nazi Germany, by the way, tearing down statues. It happened in East Germany when they were communists. Oh, we found out something bad about this person. We're tearing down the statue. It was Joseph Stalin's. Uh, now, Joseph Stalin's was evil. But my point is, uh, we found out some really bad things about him. We're tearing down the statues. And then I would imagine history from that point on was rewritten in East Germany. I don't know because I wasn't there. I hadn't read about it. But I read a book about how they tore down uh, Joseph Stalin's history. Now, he was a bad man. I don't want you to misunderstand. He was a bad man. But my point is, tearing down these statues, Winston Churchill's right. What, what we ought to do, in my opinion, is let's not change the name of the Reed Smoot building or the Ezra Taft Benson building. What we ought to do is point out their strengths, and then we ought to point out, oh, these people weren't perfect. They, you know, uh, President Benson said this, or Brigham Young said this about black people. 
Uh, well, President Benson, I think he was more upset about the civil rights issue and how the government was handling it. I heard a talk back in uh, 1966, October 25th, 1966. In fact, I'll, uh, there'll, there'll be a link. There's a link to it on, my, on the show notes here, if I can find it. Um, but what we ought to do is just say, look, uh, these people did this, but they weren't great. Don't worship them. They did this, this, but look at the great things they did. What do you think of that? Maybe just having highlights when you go into these rooms on a tour, someone takes you on a tour. That's what we ought to be doing. What do you think? Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, to villainize, to villainize, um, or, or exalt another person, um, as worse than or better than they really were is it's dangerous. It it's human. Also, we do it. It's not. I hate it when people put me on a pedestal. It happens every year. I'll start <laughs> school, and the you know all of the kids that come in and they're like, oh, I love your class. It's the best thing ever. Blah blah blah. Oh I yeah. Know, I know that those kids. It will. It will only. And it's it's like clockwork. It's only a matter of time before almost all of those kids are coming to me and telling me how much they hate me and how much they hate this class and whatever else is like, are you kidding me? Why? Wow. It used to surprise me. It doesn't surprise me anymore. Um, but but the, their, their thinking is flawed. The thinking is another person is responsible for me. And so those types of people want to throw all responsibility on other people and they don't want to take any themselves. All of, you know, somebody who's standing up or rioting every night or, you know, throwing all of their energy into in political activism. What if they had political responsibility? This is what Tocqueville talked about. He said it's the greatest part of America. He said he, he couldn't understand it. It's not what he saw in France, but it was. It was a religious belief almost in, in the duty one had towards one's community. And where is that in all of this? Are we having people that when all of the dust settles, are they're gonna they're gonna pick up, they're gonna pick up their implements of work and they're going, you know, they're going to make their communities better. They're going to go out and serve their neighbor. And I hope they do. I yeah. you know, that would be a great thing. But usually if, if they believe that somebody else is at fault and somebody else needs to change in order for them to be happy, that's such a juvenile perspective on life. I don't see that same person, you know, picking up, picking up the other end of the stick, which is always with revolutions. If you want a revolution, great. You have two types of revolution. You have the French revolution where there's, there's little responsibility. And so all of it has to fall somewhere. And where did it fall? Napoleon Bonaparte, or, you know, it falls in the hands of some, some terrible master. And um, in America, we're kind of poised for that right now, where we want somebody, we want revolution, but we don't want the responsibility of guiding, uh, guiding the change after the revolution. And that's, that's why the founders in this country decided not to support the French Revolution. And the French said, why not? We just supported you in your war of independence. Why don't you want us? Why don't you want to support us in ours? And, and we said, look, it's not just a war of independence. You're trying, you're trying to, to throw away all order. 
And that's not what that's not what the founding of this country was about. We had order, then we had a tyrant come in and try to establish himself and put himself in a position of, of you know commandeering all of the order that had been established on local levels. This is what Tocqueville says. And it just didn't it didn't work for him. He couldn't, he could not steal the power away. Because in order to steal the power away from Americans, it's uh. not about overthrowing <laughs> the capital. It's not about taking over the state and putting a few people in high positions. It's about being uh, being able to, um, you have to kill everybody or you have to win everyone's heart in America. And I hope that's still true. I hope, I hope we still have enough gumption that that we're that we won't just have one person stand up and take over because we're we're done being responsible and anyway <laughs> yeah I, I think you hit on a very good point uh putting your faith into putting your faith in people i've gotten caught up in this myself and that could be why by the way um that could very well be hang on a minute uh yeah that could be why Maybe there are certain talk shows that I do not like as much anymore. I put my faith, too much of my faith in that particular person. And then when that person, I'm particularly talking about Glenn Beck. You know, when Glenn Beck, I still have trust issues with him, but when he started talking about certain people like they were terrorists and he started being so anti-Donald Trump, I really went off on Facebook about it. I really went off on a lot of people who liked Glenn Beck. Perhaps that was my problem. I put too much of my faith in Glenn Beck as opposed to, I, I almost, I, I worshipped him. I didn't bow down and pray to him, but worshipped him in terms of, oh, if Glenn Beck says it, it must be true. Not to say that Glenn Beck hasn't said anything that's true. I, I generally like Glenn Beck, but there was a time where I wanted absolutely nothing to do with Glenn Beck because he said this or whatever. Do you think I was putting my faith too much in a person? I think so. Yeah, I, I think we have to make that call for ourselves, Kevin. I'm not just trying to be wishy-washy on that, but it's really, it's really easy to do. We put people on a pedestal. We think, oh, they're going to be my new friend. We do it as children, right? Yep. I see kids doing it all the time. Oh, I've got a new friend. This is, you know, this is the thing that's going to save me is this new friend. And then, and then that friend turns out to have flaws and issues and, and they don't always like us and, and they're hard to love sometimes. And, and that's, that doesn't mean we love them less. It maybe means we need to love them more. Love is not, doesn't bend and remove and, and it's not wishy-washy love and responsibility and duty and these things that have been, you know, time tested, uh, you know, standards in our, in our Western civilization. Uh, these things, these things are hard. They are, they take a maturity that's, that, that requires all of us. And uh, we have to, we have to be willing to sacrifice our, you know, uh, our, our false idols. And yeah, I think we can put, uh, we can, we can worship people who are really smart and that we look up to. And I, I really appreciate smart people. <laughs> you know, I think Glenn Beck is a smart person. 
but I, I don't know that worshiping everything they say is, is um, going to save us. We have, we, you know, there's, there's a point where we have to realize that they can only give and we can only um, take so much from them before, before it's, you know, not healthy. Yes, and I even heard Glenn Beck say, don't put your faith in people. Yeah. Yep, that's, uh, that's, a, very, that's a very true statement. Anyway, anything else you want to talk about uh, as it pertains to... Per, sorry, folks, for those of you listening, I'm uh, doing some experiments on this podcast with my mic. I told you on the last podcast I have a focus right. And I've been pushing buttons because I'm trying to do an experiment. So that's why it, this uh, podcast might sound distorted. Is it distorted at your end, Stephen? It sounds, it sounds just fine to me. Okay, good. Because I know there, there might be just a few times where I'll say something and I hear some distortion in my headset. It's because I'm trying to experiment with certain buttons on my focus, right? And this is about the only time I have to do it. So I know it sounds unprofessional. But uh, please forgive. Don't put too much faith in me, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, anything else you want to say about President Oaks's talk? Anything I had forgotten or something that sticks out to you that I didn't talk about? Yeah. Um, kind of. Kind of. My takeaway from all of this is that that um, maybe not my only takeaway, but one thing that's really coming to mind is is Jefferson said that in matters. Um, in matters of style, swim with the current, but in matters of principle, stand like a rock. And I, you know, I think, I think it's really easy for us to get caught up in the style. And I think that's what a lot of, a lot of the debate is about, especially, you know, being election day, we get caught up so much in things of style that we, we forget what really, what's really grounding us. And uh, those matters of principle, I, I really love how President Oaks, he, and um, I, I think he's, he's talking about things, we, we, we can't throw away things that really matter because, no, because a few stylistic errors. And granted, look, I'm not, I'm not condoning slavery and, and I don't think he is at all either. And that's not what I'm calling style. I'm saying, the style is is to pick up you know pick up a new cause get behind it and you know push it until it succeeds I, I just don't believe I don't believe any cause is without its problems and and certainly both political parties um, have their issues I've um, I've been a member of both parties and both of them have incredible issues I don't I don't think that that's going to save us it's it's um it's not it's not um these are not easy things to grapple with and if we feel like it is easy if we feel like we can just explain everything in a 30 second um, conversation with someone else or we can write somebody off or you know worship them because because they either agree with us or disagree with us i i just don't think that's I, that's not what america has historically made um uh, that's not what's made us the nation we are. I think I think we have to have to weigh and consider, and we have to continue to talk to people who we consider to be adversarial to us, and and we have to 
to stand up and then when when we find out what we believe is is right we have to put our shoulder to the wheel and and do some work so yeah, yeah. absolutely um real quick i do find just so you know uh, the talk does start out we didn't cover this because i wanted to cover COVID and racism because that's mainly but uh he does start his talk out, I find interesting, about how his daughter, Jenny, who was eight at the time when President Oaks was called in 1984 to be an apostle, came in and he started weeping, which uh, I, I can't. Obviously, we're human and we have emotion. I just can't picture President Oaks being an emotional person. Can you? I think it's just because of what we know in conference. Now, I'm not saying he needs to break down and cry at every talk, but. Uh, he yeah, started um, he came to bit. my mission when I was in Rio de Janeiro, and uh, that changed how I perceive him. I've always perceived him as very serious. He has that really commanding, authoritative voice. Oh, um, yeah, and he the, has to. He's a lawyer, and he's, yeah, I think he's, the first he thing has he to. Did, he's, in, he's in Rio de Janeiro in the, you know, the neighborhood of Tijuca. It's it's in the middle of the summer, which is during the winter months there because it's on the, in the sub, Southern hemisphere. He stands up in his suit coat and, he, and he, he says, elders, you can remove your suit coats. And he took his suit coat off and then he stretched. And I don't know if you knew this, he's a very tall man. He must, he, he's over, he's well over six foot. Really? Six, three or six, four. Is and he muscular or was he back then? He's wiry. He's built, you know, he's built like, a, you know, a farm boy or something. Right. And yeah. he stretched his arms and it was his, his wingspan is huge. And he stretched his arms and it was almost boyish, like playful as he stretched his arms in front of us. He said, Oh, that feels so much better. And he really, smiled and he talked to us about, um, he talked to us about some very personal things. He talked about, to us about his, his first wife and then he was there with his second wife we talked about anyway it was just a very it was a very personal meeting and and from then on all of, every time i hear him i don't i don't hear the authoritative you know voice as much as he's he's a very he's a very loving individual so there was one point he got a little emotional in the There audience. was, yeah. I was going to say, I th yeah, when he talked about, I want to help you. And then in the I, racism thing, when he said, let's talk about the matter at hand, I noticed he almost started weeping. Yeah, he, he um, I think, I think um, it's, it doesn't seem far-fetched. Yeah, and by the way, for the record, folks, uh, about this whole mass thing, I, you know, I know President Oaks is an apostle of the Lord and all. I just see a different political angle. That's why I bring this up about the whole masks. Uh, you know, nothing against, I like President Oaks. I really do. But, you know, when you talk about, you know, you're helping people with the masks, I see the political angle. That's where I'm coming from when I talk about that getting under my skin is because I know I read a lot about what's happening and snitches and things like that. Uh, yeah. But yeah, this is nothing against president. I like president Oaks. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I don't, um, yeah, that snitches thing. That's another, that's a whole, that's, that's another day. We got to talk yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, we can talk. Yeah, we can talk about obeying the laws of land, civil disobedience. I did a podcast on that, by the way, on Friday. You might be interested in. Oh, okay, on yeah. civil disobedience. Yeah, 
All right. Uh, anything else you want to talk about? No, I, I really, I really enjoy it. Thank you. Real so quick, much. who do you think will win the election, or do you care? Um, I, I think it's going to be really close. I think it's going, to, it's going to come down to the last state, or you know, the last big state, um, because I think, uh, I think the the flyover is overwhelmingly Trump, and then the the coasts are overwhelmingly Biden. And I think it's always, it always comes down to a really, that, that makes it interesting. You know what I think could happen? I, I think it'll be very soon. Oh, what? I don't predict a landslide. Um, I, yeah. Well, I think what could happen now that you mention it, and this is just my opinion, and so take this with a grain of salt, I think it's possible First of all, I think this might make the election of 2000 look pretty tame, but I wonder if Pennsylvania might be the deciding state. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think I think it's going to come down to something, something where uh, just a couple of those of those um, those votes from bigger states just make all of the difference. Um, yeah. I, I did vote for Trump, by the way, for the record. I don't have a problem saying that out here. Of course, those of you that listen to the podcast have probably figured out as much. Yeah. Um, I actually, I'm not going to vote for him. And I'm not going to vote for Biden either. Either. <laughs> Who are you voting for? Don Blinkenship? Um, I, I'm not I'm more, I can't vote for either one. <laughs> well, Don Blinkenship is of the Constitution Party. That's why I know... He might be more aligned of your, and I understand why you vote. I don't want to debate the third party thing. I understand it, but yeah. I just I mentioned Don Blankenship because he's a constitutional party candidate. Yeah, I the more than anything. I mean, my vote doesn't matter in Utah. I know that, but I I think I have a, a responsibility to vote my conscience no matter what. Absolutely. And I I, uh, I don't feel like my conscience can go to either of those uh, two candidates. Yeah, well, we're not going to debate that right now. Anyway, thanks very much for coming on the podcast. I think we had a very enlightening discussion. What do you think? Yeah, it was fun, Kevin. I, I always enjoy getting in touch with you, and I appreciate you inviting me on. We'll have to do it again. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks very much. We'll talk to you later, folks.